0: Welcome to Two Pizza in a Podcast, where we will talk about child health from birth right away through to adolescence, dealing with issues of illness, development, and everything else that is of importance.
1: Good day, good day, good day. This is Dr. Michael Platten. This is Two Peds in a Podcast and we are continuing our chat on tonsillitis. With me I have Simon Strawn. Morning everybody. And we have Dr. Ishmael Patel back in the seat with us. Morning everyone. Hi. All right, so last week we spoke about tonsillitis, uh, what it is, where it is, what it does, what it causes, but we were We cut short and we needed to go into the actual surgery. So that is our plan today. We're going to be talking about why we do surgery, what happens in surgery, and the complications and treatments and all the different things around that. And I think when we discussed this, we thought, let's take it from the day that your child arrives in hospital to have the tonsillectomy.
0: You agree? Absolutely. So we got to the point of going… We've been through all the medical treatments. We've seen Dr. Patel and uh, Ishmael decided your child needs to have a tonsillectomy. So perhaps walk us through that, Ishmael, from the point of let's talk about the day. What, can, what do parents need to do to prepare for the day and then talk us through that?
2: The most important thing, even in today's times, uh, is still to understand preoperatively we still would ask the parents, Not to give, there's there's still a myth and a tendency to think that they could give medications that could prevent any swelling and things. So the first thing, before you even arrive on the day of surgery, if you're taking any kind of medication that you would be told about, be it uh, herbal or any other that would reduce swelling and reduce pain, Please do not use them because many of those things have properties where they actually can cause your child to bleed. So, specifically, eh? Hey? Uh, yes, Anica specifically and some of these new, uh, gummy vites and things like that. They all tend to cause or, in, uh, 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 increase the amount of bleeding intra and post operatively in some patients.
0: And uh, to keep, and to avoid them just for the day before theatre surgery is enough. Yes.
2: On the day, uh, the way we normally would schedule a day is from the youngest to the oldest. Obviously, naturally, because the youngest would get hungry a lot quicker. And uh, so even the starving times in terms of them starving the night before would be determined in terms of age. So if your child's being breastfed, we would say four hours for breastfeeding. And if your child's on solid foods uh, like milk or anything like that, it would be a minimum of six hours. Zero Nothing through the mouth for four hours
0: before if you're breastfeeding or six hours before if you're on any other formulas or food.
2: Oh, it's, it's, it, that has changed, Simon, slightly. So before we used to say nothing. Now we say solid foods, Uh, breast milk, four hours, any kind of formula milk or anything like that for over six hours. But today, however, there's new uh, evidence that suggests that liquids, like clear liquids, like apple juice, water, you can do it as close as four hours. And some uh, centers around the world, even as close as two hours before the surgery. But we're talking about little sips to keep your child comfortable,
0: You wouldn't want a child to drink a whole 200 mils or something two hours before surgery, or is that not
2: the case? That's not the case. In fact, now you can drink to your full, but about four hours before or two hours before, uh, it seems to make no difference. Very interesting. Okay,
1: so now they've been admitted, they've gone through reception, they've gone into the the pediatric ward. So what happens from there? And they've obviously been starved because they come in on the day. Yes. They don't come in the day before. So. From there, they're waiting for theatre, and then they get called to theatre. Well, the no.
0: anaesthetist will come first, eh? Hey?
1: Yes. Yes. You, you see, uh, so you, that's
2: so that's important to understand. A lot of these kids come in uh, quite anxious. It's an it's a, it's an anxious day. It's an anxious environment, and the older kids actually understand what's going to happen. So it's important uh, that the anaesthetist see all of them. So so just to give you a very quick rundown, what do we find in the young kids? In the young kids, usually they would be picked up, but sometimes they could still have an underlying infection, and in that case we would postpone because if there is an underlying infection, so the anesthetist would go through that. They'd check, the fee, uh, to check for fever, uh, tachycardia, which is an increased heart rate, or they'd see if there's anything of, of concern, including a chest infection that may preclude us from operating. And today, the big difference, uh, so there's two methods about doing this. Pre-surgery before, we used to just give basic medications. Now we are using a very specialized drug that is used in theater. It's called Presidex. And this was specifically used in theater because it lowered your blood pressure and basically uh, w- uh what it did is when you woke up, you didn't wake up with this arousal delusion that most people wake up with. However, in my practice, where I have two sets of anesthetists. One set of anesthetists prefer to use it pre-operatively, where it sedates the child. The child literally comes into theatre unaware that they're actually coming into theatre. And I've got another set of anaesthetists who prefer to use it precisely for that reason, intraoperatively, so when the child wakes up, they wake up a lot more comfortably, not crying and not hysterical.
0: And often the hysteria and the crying post-operatively is not because of the pain, it's because of the effects of the anesthetic gases that they use. Mm. So this Presidex is used just to dampen down that response.
2: Yes. So now it's becoming more important to tell the anesthetist, how does your child fall asleep? How does your child wake up if they have had a procedure? So now we can actually tailor the anesthetic as well to make it as comfortable as possible for the child and so that they don't remember any of the negative effects that they could of an anesthetic.
1: Okay. So now they're in the theater, are the parents allowed to come in with you?
2: In my practice, again, uh, we allow one of the parents into theater It for a few reasons. One is the child feels very, very comfortable. If the child is sleeping, it generally doesn't feel like it's being disturbed. And also it helps to settle the parents who are as anxious as their kids. So hmm. what would happen is they arrive in theater, The anesthetist would sit them down with their child on a chair or on the cot if the baby's still on the cot. And we would induce or put the child to sleep by using an anesthetic gas.
0: And I want to just make a point here because I've seen it happen. The parents need to understand if they're sitting holding their child while the child is put to sleep with the anesthetic gas, when their child falls asleep, they would never ever have experienced how floppy and unresponsive their child is is in their arms. And I've seen many
2: parents get a huge fright as it happens. Is that your experience? Yes. So the first thing that happens is uh, there are various stages of anesthesia and it happens even during uh, all of us when we go to sleep at night but because it, it's, it's a gradual onset we don't tend to notice it. In an anesthetic we literally bring this on within seconds to minutes. So you go through the various stages and at one stage the kids start to fight and become a bit aggressive and the parents get worried that something's going wrong in fact that's one of the stages of uh, the anesthesia and then immediately after that this is what Simon's talking about, they literally go limp from suddenly fighting and the parents often wonder has something gone wrong no it's just the various stages that happens every night when you go to bed we're just doing it just much faster to get your baby asleep
1: and so if you're lying next to your child when they're falling asleep at night they have what we call sleep myoclonus where yes. they start kicking their feet or kicking their their arms this just happens like you're saying much more concentrated
2: yes and much faster mm, and then they
1: get paralyzed yes because they're in sleep yes very interesting <laughs> All right, so I think we're running a bit long on time with this one. So let's break there and we'll carry on in the next episode with the continuation, like when we're in theatre. If your children have a larger two... Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Thanks for joining us, Ishmael. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening. If you found this of value... Please be sure to sign up to our email list at www.care4kids.co.za, and that's the numeral four. And subscribe in your favourite podcast app, or follow us on Facebook
1: at Two Peat in Podcast. At Two Peat in Podcast. T W O, not the numerical two.
0: This is our disclaimer: the information we have given you in this podcast is our own personal professional opinion. We're giving it to you for your own information. Please don't use it to treat yourself or to treat anybody else. Rather, go and see your own medical healthcare provider and follow their advice.